You're listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And as promised in the season premiere, we're scratching an itch to have some interviews. And uh, we've got a really good one to start us off here. It's been a lot of fun. This was a, a great interview. Another uh, fantastic time with uh, with another artist. And so much fun to, to have with these artists. Since we can't see them live, it's just great to be able to talk to them about music. Not only that, the guy we're talking to, uh, his band put out not only one of the best debut albums of 2020, but in our estimation, one of the best albums overall in 2020. And that would be the band Saul. We had the pleasure of talking to Blake Bedsall, the lead singer of the band. We were supposed to talk to both brothers, both Bedsall brothers, but um, it didn't work out. I, I definitely understand as a family man myself how, you know, family comes first and, you know, sometimes interviews don't take precedence. That's fine. We understand. <laughs> as Blake said, Zach has like a thousand children now, so <laughs> that, that takes up a lot of your time. So that's not us making fun of anybody. You'll, you'll hear him. That is he one thing he kept saying. He, yeah. Yes. One thing I l- learned about Blake before we even spoke with him was that he enjoys poking at his brother a in lot. interviews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they have fun together. And so, so that was that. But yeah, this is a lot of fun, this conversation. We got to hear about um, the making of Rise is Equals, the album we're mentioning about some plans for the future, about their desire to tour and how that's going to look. I know Dan is very much ready to go see these guys live as soon as he possibly can. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we had some influence on maybe their set or maybe a a song they decide to cover. Who knows? Yeah, That's always our low-key goal when we do an interview is to influence the future (laughs) of what somebody does in a band. Is to poke the bear of the band. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we totally do. We challenge with anybody. We're like, yeah, we'll just challenge you to do this or we're going to you're going to do this eventually for us. Right. You know, we will. Yeah, <laughs> we have no power or influence whatsoever. But you we know you're going to do this. <laughs> so if Saul's next album includes some Motown on it. You have us to thank for that. <laughs> because I hope so. Oh, my God. That was so fucking cool. We push that button and we're going to take full claim for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yes. Yes, we will. There's no doubt. Well, I, I will be posting that everywhere. But like, this is us. We did this. You're welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's good. If it's shitty, I'm not claiming it. We'll just... Yeah, yeah well, well, that, that didn't come from me. That was, I don't know. But I, I'm just joking, though. Like, they they are, they are started out as a cover band. Uh, they have been making incredible music so far. I, I anticipate great things from this band. Um, so I, I don't think that if they did a cover song that it would be bad, to be honest. No, no. Yeah. So far, so good on the cover front. They're a band that even even though this was their debut album, they had people reaching out to them. Uh, David Draymond, a huge name from Disturbed, reaching out to them to work with them. They had uh, Morgan Rose from Seven Dust worked with them on a track. Like these are some guys that already have good reputation. They already have drawing attention to themselves in in the genre and in the industry. So this is a really fun conversation. You get to hear him talk about that working with David Draymond. Um, you get to talk, hear about uh, maybe the potential future of Saul, not just in what music they make, but in who could be part of the band, which is kind of a fun topic. And um, 
Also, stay tuned towards the end to find out Blake's favorite job outside of working in music. It was not something that in a thousand years I would have guessed, even for a guy from Iowa. It doesn't. It took me off guard. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) And it's always just cool to talk with an artist and and get his take on his love of music, as you will hear throughout the interview as well. We learned some new bands from this. (laughs) Yeah, we had a great time. I think he was another great guest that... uh, for our show and honestly it was the first non-drummer that we've interviewed so that's right thank you for that Blake (laughs) we love interviewing drummers but we also have like some diversity and so getting a singer in our ranks is good we'll shoot for a guitarist and a bassist someday maybe a xylophone yeah (laughs) a ukulele player in rock anyway (laughs) we'll shoot high (laughs) that's right I know a guy all right you no, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> so without further ado, here's our conversation with Blake Bedsall from Saul. Thanks for, for joining us. I should probably introduce ourselves since we know your name already. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm Aaron. Aaron, okay. I'm Casey. My name is Dan. Okay, nice to meet you guys. Yeah, you too. We always feel like as band members, you guys are at the disadvantage in like these kind of conversations because we have plenty of time and opportunity and available information to learn a whole bunch of things about you but you're coming in cold usually probably knowing almost nothing about the people that you're talking with (laughs) right no i did i did a little research i I checked it out but um oh we we appreciate that yeah so we figure that that's that's a good way of like leveling the playing field if we sort of introduce what this is so that you kind of know who you're you're giving your time to you know right we have done a rock radio show called The Itch on St. Louis College Radio. It started as a college show, and we just continued it after graduating for 17 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, 16 minus pandemic year. Awesome. It's uh, it was really, It's really been a passion project because the whole idea is like none of us ended up – we were college um, radio majors, but we didn't go into it as professions. But we still loved like the freedom and the opportunity to try to introduce people to new music. Yes. Yeah, so the, the school was like, yeah, you know, you want to continue doing your show on the weekend, go for it. And we're like, we still live here, let's do it. And so, <laughs> so, so for the the name, the itch, it's mostly come to mean over the years, like the itch to hear great new music by artists that weren't getting played by the main rock stations in St. Louis. Right. So when the pandemic shut down the campus, we still wanted to share new music. And so we did what everybody else apparently did during the pandemic, which was start a podcast out of it. <laughs> yep. We just had the advantage of already having experience speaking into microphones before. And so, <laughs> so yeah, so that's been really fun and rewarding. And so one of the first things I think is really interesting about you guys' story in terms of a silver lining throughout the pandemic is you guys had a big tour lined up. I presume it was probably the biggest one to date uh, of your career which just like everything else got canceled. Yeah. But somehow in the chaos of all of that, that led to the process of getting to continue working on your new album with David Draymond of Disturbed as also uh, an important part of it. So what was that like working with him and what did he add to the creation process that that might not have been there if it were if he weren't present? Right. No, it was great working with David. God, he was such a nice guy. You go in, you know, not knowing what to expect, not meeting somebody, you know, not meeting David and I mean, sometimes you don't know if he's going to be arrogant or, you know, like 
whatever, you know, yeah. you just kind of on egg, you know, eggshells at first, but super, super nice guy, super down to earth, very, very talented guy. You know, we, we thought we had the album done. Like you said, yeah, we had a 75 day run uh, with Hell Yeah and All That Remains and Butcher Babies that we were getting ready to do. When everything got canceled, the pandemic and the shutdown happened, um, talking to the label and everybody and we're like, you know, let's get back in. We can do at least a couple more songs got brought up that, you know, hey, David Draymond's interested, you know, uh, of doing a song with you guys. And it's like, that's stupid. You know, just book it. You know, <laughs> that's just crazy. You don't even have to so, ask. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, we were super stoked about that. You know, getting to work on a song, King Misery, with him and uh, just build it from the ground up with him was was awesome. We did over Zoom, uh, which sucked. But uh, <laughs> um, I would, much would have preferred yeah. to be in Hawaii at his place, at his studio. But uh um, it was still cool, yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was it was very good. Um, it's very sterile. I don't I don't like doing Zoom so much. I mean, it's 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 perfect for what it is. Um, but in a creative way, I think it's kind of kind of sterile. But it came out great. I, I couldn't be happier with it and um, everything he added to the song. And yeah, it was great. And I'm really I'm really happy. I'm really happy that um, you know it's weird to say this, but the pandemic came at the perfect time because. You know, we wouldn't have had, you know, things change or rises equals or mm-hmm. King of Misery or, you know, the album wouldn't even been called Rises Equals if we had released it earlier. You know, so it was, it's kind of crazy that all this uh, all this came together like that. I love that you talk about how not, like pleasant that experience is, because it makes me think of you always hear people say, like, don't meet your idols. And I know that you guys grew up on band, bands like Disturbed, you know, the, the Slipknots, Corns and things of that. Yep. That came out around, you know, the, the turn of the century. And so I'm sure there's a little bit of ner- like you said, a little bit of nerves involved. Like, is this going to ruin our image of this guy and this whole band? <laughs> but right. You're not even the first person that we've talked to that had great things to say about Disturbed. Like, uh, yeah, so that's, that's true. It's a, they have a good reputation among people that we've spoken with. That's good. That's good. I mean, I just uh, we just met David. And, I mean, I would love to meet Dan and the rest of the guys, because if they're anything yeah. like David, they're they're good down to earth dudes. That's exactly what we've heard. <laughs> Was it because you had to do it over Zoom was the reason why he wasn't actually featured on the song? Or is it just he just wanted to help produce it? He just he just really wanted to be a part of it. It okay. had been brought up a couple of times and we were joking about it. And over the couple of the Zooms, we, you know, we sat down with David and we all had some beers and we're just chatting, just, you know, not really writing songs, just mainly shooting the shit. So we brought it up and he's like, you know, I would love to do it. And he's like, you know, I would do it if you really asked me and, and really wanted me to do it. He's like, it's uh, it's a great song and I love it. And I just, I want it to be yours. So, you know, I was like, okay, I, I appreciate that. That's yeah, awesome. That makes sense. It's gotta be a yeah. cool boost of confidence. That's awesome yeah. right there. Right. Yeah. To him, for a guy like that to come in and say he's a fan of us, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. He initiated, <laughs> you said, which is, which is extra cool. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. So this pandemic's kind of got to be a little bit of deja vu for you guys. I understand a huge part of your backstory is the tragedy of losing your brother to the H1N1 pandemic. You know, and I, I, I do think that there is kind of a poetic beauty to the song that you wrote about him, brother, that became the song that helps you guys break through to the next level. Yep. But having experienced that loss, what went through your mind as you guys saw this pandemic kind of starting to play out? You know... I'm glad you asked that because right when this stuff started to break out and they were talking about quarantining and everybody staying at home and shutdowns and, you know, I'm from, from pretty, you know, a Republican part of the the world and um, very red state and all these people making fun of it and doing all this. I'm like, man, listen up because I I know how this shit goes. You know, 
we're going to lose some people, man. Just stay, stay at home and don't be like, you know what I mean? You know how people are freaking. Yeah. Yeah. Just stupid. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew exactly what they were trying to do. And, uh, I'm glad they did what they did. You just never know. I don't want to be sick. I mean, he, Caleb was 27 when he passed away from H1N1. It'll, it'll get you. What doesn't matter, you know, what age or your physical, your whatever, it'll get you. So I'm glad they right. did what they did. And I'm really glad it came when it did. And I wish it never showed up, but, you know, it was a perfect time when it did. Yeah. Did Caleb play music, musical instruments with you guys when you guys were younger? Nope. He never played music. Um, he couldn't carry a tune and couldn't keep a beat, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was a pretty good poet. Um, he had three uh, poems published. So back in the early days, you'd help with lyrics and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, as far as music, no way. <laughs> he was like, uh, have you ever seen the movie The Jerk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's like, I finally got the beat pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was like. <laughs> have you ever thought about putting any of those poems to music? Is that even a thing that's crossed your mind or that's on the table as an option or... Yeah, actually, we have talked about that. And we've actually just talked about that recently. Back in the day, you know, our very first song that we released uh, was called Snow White. You know, Caleb dabbled. He he had, you know, his his conflicts with some drugs here and there. And, you know, it was about his uh, meth addiction and all that stuff. So we wrote the song Snow White and he wrote all the lyrics. And um, we were talk- talking about possibly bringing that one back and uh, pushing that out. I know my dad brings it up all the time. Every time I talk to him, you should really get that song out there. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll think about it. So is it just you and your brother, Zach, that are the uh, others? Are there any other siblings I should ask? Yeah, uh, we have uh, our youngest brother, Thatcher. But uh, also, I mean, it, he is another representation of the jerk. I mean, that guy, <laughs> he, he cannot. Uh, no, no. Don't even give him a tambourine. Put it on mute, man. <laughs> so you got the half the family that, it, that can do it and half that can't. I got it. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reason I ask, you know, I. I didn't want to get too personal, but I have two kids. Uh, my oldest is five. My youngest is two. And that's like my dream is to have them be in a band like you guys. And I, I don't want to push it on them, but, you know, I'm just trying to flower it as much as I possibly can. They both got instruments for Christmas this past year. The two-year-old got drum, like a real actual drum set. And the five-year-old got a guitar, a real electric guitar. And so I was just curious, like, what kind of things did your parents do to kind of help fester that that love for music or you know, the love to play music together as a family. You know, it was weird. You know, my parents really didn't nurture the idea of music. They were just hardworking. They were like, you know, you got to stay with your nine to five. You got to get up. You got to get to work. You know, they were that type of people, which no, no big deal. You know, um, my dad was a drummer in high school back in the day. I remember being really young and when dad would clean the house, he just had Scorpion's greatest hits just cranking on a stereo. I mean, so, I mean, we always, we listened to music. We always, you know, had a good time and would do that stuff. Yeah. They, they really never pursued, pursued music or anything and um, never really pushed it on us, but uh, it was always around, you know, we were always listening to music and stuff. So. And the last question, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of taking over the interview, but I just have, I think it's kind of a Midwestern thing. We're from St. Louis and, and Aaron's currently living in Chicago, but you know, it's just a Midwestern thing to be very family oriented. Um, and I know that, you know, from your Valentine's day posts on your Facebook page that you guys all have families of your own. Mm-hmm. So when you start touring again, like what do you, th- what, what struggles are you anticipating when you do go back on tour? That's a good question. I, I don't know yet. Um, I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it, but it is always a struggle. You know what I mean? Getting a call from the wives and, daughter's sick or you know what whatever what have you you know and 
that always sucks. That just sucks to get those phone calls. And I just want to call them after a show and everything's cool. Mom, mom and the girls are happy and everything's good <laughs> to go back home. But, uh, which is usually the case, but, uh, you know, and my daughter, I mean, I had her when I was really young. So she's 12 now. Okay. I mean, she doesn't need me around anymore. So I'm just worried <laughs> about the other dudes. Has that been much, much of an issue to, to date in your career? Cause I know you guys spent a lot of years from what I understand, doing the more regional thing, you know, playing Iowa, Minnesota, you know, the states around there, probably not yeah. getting super far from home for prolonged periods of time, like a national tour might take you. Yeah. It's all been pretty manageable so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we were, I mean, when we were unsigned, we were still doing like 30 day runs, you know, out to Seattle okay. and, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, 30 days is a lot different compared to the 75 that was going to be out there with with hell. Yeah. And yeah. And anymore, I, I feel like tours are, you know, they stick to like the 30 to 60 day runs. They're not doing like the, you know, we got to be out there for nine months grinding it out and supporting this record. It, do, it doesn't really play out like that. I don't think much anymore. I mean, Metallica beat that to death back in the day, toured for, you know, 365 days out of the year. And yeah, which is cool because I mean, I'll go out two, three, four weeks at a time, come home for two weeks, go back out for another month, go out, you know what I mean? And do that. That's, I think that's the best way to go. You don't burn yourself out. And you get you get a little home time. And that's a lot of things that I think that killed careers, you know, especially back in the day. I mean, I've been with my wife for 13 years, so we've been together since high school. So she knows the struggles and the being gone. And, you know, I got to go. We got studio. I'm going to be gone for, you know, a month. I'm going to be down in Wichita recording. So she knows she knows all that stuff. And it was kind of an eye opener, really, with uh, Zach's wife that they just got married a couple years ago, where. I got to be gone. I'm going to be in Chicago. I'm going to be in Wichita. I'm going to be in, you know, we got to, we got to fly to Atlanta. We got to do this. We got to fly to Nashville. We got to do this, you know? So <laughs> that was really eye opener for her, especially, I mean, like I said, they keep pushing out kids like crazy. They got like nine of them now. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, they, they got, they have four kids, but they're great kids. Little Ashy, his, his, his youngest son. My God, that kid's got a majestic mullet. It's amazing. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so, so that that leads me. I gotta ask this then: Have any of either of you guys' kids shown uh, an inclination towards towards music yet at this point in their lives? You got like a next generation of Saul coming down the line at some point. You know, I, I would <laughs> love to pass that down. And and like seriously, if I'm old and I'm ready to retire, just take over the name. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. You know. And, <laughs> It'd be, it'd be great. Uh, my daughter, my daughter plays drums, and uh, okay, she plays drums in, in in the school band and everything. And uh, yeah, I have to force her into it. I mean, she likes doing it, but I have to force her to practice. I'm like, practice makes perfect. You gotta you gotta get after it, and you know. And my dad will come over and they'll run through her. Uh, she's got like judges or whatever. You know, I, I was never in band in, in high school or any or in school, so they got like this judging thing where she's yeah. got to do this drum solo, and he's running through it with her and. I mean, I mean, it's cool. I, music, music is a, it's a universal thing. And I told her, I'm like, even if you don't pursue it as a career, it's always cool to get up there. You're, you're dating so-and-so and he's a guitar player and you go to open jam, get up on the drums and, and jam with them or make it fun. It is fun. <laughs> the hard part is learning what to do. And then the rest of it's just cake. You just get up there and do it. So, I mean, it sounds like you got a good start. You got somebody that can already do some drumming. You got somebody that's got a majestic <laughs> mullet. It seems like the pieces are starting to fall into place very yes. quickly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that mullet will sell itself. So I'm telling you, they'll be huge. <laughs> That's their first album cover is just that. Yeah. yeah yes. Well, it's awesome to keep music in the family, and I'm sure you love playing music with 
your brother, Zach. And from what we understand, Zach originally recruited you into the band and you were the bassist at the time, as well as vocalists. And you were able to uh, pass off those duties a few years back. So can you talk a little bit about your bassist, William, and your drummer, Joe? Yeah, you know, actually, Joe stepped down. Um, we have Miles Claiborne on drums now. Joe stepped down. He wanted to pursue the whole family thing. But uh, yeah, Miles is Miles is a badass dude. <laughs> Great guy. I mean, he's not he's not only great at drums, but he's great at, you know, like backing track programming with piano and synth. And uh, he's really good for like when we do real quick uh, studio sessions, like, you know, somebody calls Octane or whatever. They need this and that. It's really cool that Miles is really good at it. Zach's really good at it. So we got that extra that extra team together. So it's really cool that he, he came in and was knowledgeable on this stuff because I am a box of rocks when it comes to stuff, man. I have no freaking clue. I just, is this the power button? Is this the power button? That's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's good to have that. And then Will's nuttier than squirrel shit, man. I mean, that guy, uh, he's one of my best friends. He is, I mean, you'll wake up some days on tour and the guy's just wearing a kilt or a freaking what, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, but he, he rocks it. He it's fun to be around, and uh, it, it's really cool. I, I'm glad we I'm glad we got Will because we were we were a three piece for a long time, and bass vocals, and then Zach on guitar vocals, and then our drummer at the time, and uh, you know we just felt stale. You know, three pieces are cool. I love them. I, I wanted to be mm-hmm. a three piece. Once you get a couple more guys in there, I think it feels a little bit better, and you're not just you feel like you have to run everything. You're like, oh, you know, Will's got it or Miles has got it. He can handle it or whatever. You know what I mean? Rather than yeah. just Zach and I just running everything constantly. So it's it's nice to have that extra team. That's awesome. I heard you mention elsewhere somewhere that one of those guys, I think it was Will, is also sort of your uh, your official band TikTok <laughs> representative. Yeah. Handling <laughs> the wacky antics for social media for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen his shot challenges that he's, that he's doing? No, but now I'm very intrigued by it. See, I, don't, I haven't used TikTok, to be honest. I try it. It's not really something that appeals to me, except for when my sister sends me links to stuff. She's like, you got to see this. I'm like, I guess I do then. Yep. But, uh, but I might have to look that up. <laughs> yep. I'm the same way. So he's talking to me. I told him we, we, he's because he does shots like this guy challenge, you know, wanted him uh, to uh, put uh, flaming Hot Cheetos in tequila and <laughs> then shoot it. And so he did. And then I'm like, let's do a meal edition. And, you know, I'm like, how about salt and vinegar chips? So he got vodka, <laughs> vinegar and, and salt. And uh, yeah, he just he's, he's nutty. I'm telling you, he's a good time. It's good to have a lot nice, nice uh, balance of personalities and roles (laughs) within the band to cover different stuff. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, as our radio show and podcast, we tend to love multiple styles of music and we gravitate towards bands that cover a lot of bases and bring a lot to the table. We love how the differences between, you know, a hard, screamy song like Sticks and Stones being on the album paired with a piano driven ballad like Levy, which is one of my favorites on the album, by the way. And it features a lot of harmony. So what type of styles do you gravitate towards most? You know, um, when we started doing this record, I told Zach I wanted to keep it primarily heavy. So he he agreed and and, and went with it. But, you know, I think it really, I don't really dive in with an idea in mind entirely based on like, we got to keep it heavy. We got to keep moving, you know, in in a heavier realm. We really kind of let the songs take on their own character. And like Levy, for example, was something that we were just kind of working on. Will and I were actually working on a remake of Times Are Changing by Bob Dylan. And so we just started playing a piano part to Levy and it just kind of came out. And then, you know, I started singing the line and everything. He's like, holy shit. OK, I think we're on to something and just kind of stayed. And 
we kept it on the back burner for a while. And um, when we got into the studio, Chris Dawson, our manager engineer, um, he's like, let's break it up. You guys got any lighter songs? And we could bust out Levy real quick. And he's like, that's it. That's the one. And that's how it made the record. And I initially vetoed it. I was like, no, I want to keep the whole record heavy. Let's just, you know. Because we had a couple songs that are B tracks now that I was like, yeah, let's let's keep let's keep it heavy, let's keep it in the the harder vein, and I was vetoed on that, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's cool. I love the song. It's one of those songs you can sit back in your recliner or a chair, just put the headphones in, lean your head back, and it's just like, man, that's it's pretty rad. I do like that song. I'm glad I'm glad they uh, persuaded me on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, letting the songs take on a life of their own, you know, and like we're heading out, we're doing an instant mix with uh, Morgan Rose, uh, Barry Stock from Three Days Grace, Sean Foist of Breaking Benjamin, mm-hmm. and we're just all collabing and writing a song together. You know, when we all talked about doing it, we said we're going to go out there, no ideas in mind, and then we'll just start riffing it out and throwing vocal lines and stuff down. So I'm like, that's cool because that's actually how I work. You know what I mean? Yeah, perfect. You know, every once in a while, you know, probably a couple times a month, Zach will send me a, a, a riff that he's working on or that he got done. And we'll, you know, we always have our lyric thread chat that we're doing. But uh, primarily, it's just go in there with a blank canvas and see what happens. <laughs> just make some magic. Is that your favorite way to write songs? Or just kind of go in there and just jamming around? Yep. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. You know, unless somebody's got an idea where, you know, Zach's like, hey, man, I, I think this should be the main riff. And then we'll just go with it off that and just use the, you know, base the chord progressions around what he's doing. Or, you know, I'll come in with kind of a, a humming melody where like, I, you know, I like this and this is the lyrics I got for it. And then we'll just start basing around that quick and, you know, and then just start forming the song. And it's always nice to work on it. How we do it is like you work on it for, you know, four or five hours or something like that. And then you just stop and come back to it after a couple hours or, or the next day. And all the ideas kind of morphed and you just kind of get it, it clicks. That's kind of how we work. Yeah. yeah. We also, we heard you're a big Motown guy. Any chance uh, some of that influence, <laughs> get some metal Motown songs going? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I do love, I do love me some Motown, man. Um, I mean, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know yet. See what happens. If, you know. If we work with Eric Ron again on the next track, I mean, he's pretty hip hop R&B kind of influence. He might bring some of that Motown out of me. So I don't know. Uh, that would be, that would be, I've I, I just decided that that's the future of, of, of the band Saul. Is that that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this has got to happen at some point. That would be so cool. Well, shoot. I mean, Ice Nine just redid, you know, Elvis, an Elvis song. Might yeah. as well do a Temptation song, yeah. you know, screw there it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That'd that's awesome. that's actually a good a good lead to a question. You're you're talking about doing a Temptation song. You mentioned you were messing around with uh, Bob Dylan earlier. Is you guys started out as as a cover band for for quite some time? Yeah. Yep. In the early days. Yep. Yeah. And then, well, you know what, Casey, you take this one because I know you got kind of a relationship to that to that track. <laughs> yeah. When I when I first started listening to your guys's album, um, I was I was scrolling through. The, the track listings and I, I came across Welcome to the Machine. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I have I have to listen to this right away to make sure that it's a cover song of Pink Floyd. <laughs> and whenever you cover a, an artist like Pink Floyd, it could go either way. So I was I was very intrigued by it right off the bat. And as I was listening to it, I was like, man, this is freaking fantastic. And I listened to it like three times in a row. So <laughs> you guys knocked that one out of the park. Awesome. And then sent us a text about it yeah. as well. <laughs> awesome. He did send us a text about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am a huge Pink Floyd fan. We actually use David Gilmore as a reference for any type of lead. Zach's lead on mm-hmm. Trial by Fire. 
we're not a big shreddy band. We don't really shred guitar, but we just like, man, hit that one Gilmore note, dude. Just hit that. Down, 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 down. Just make me fucking feel it, you know, with just the one note like he does. And so, uh, yeah, that's the way we try to approach it. And yeah, we're we're huge Pink Floyd fans. My favorite album by them is actually Division yeah. Bell. That was all David Gilmore. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, big mm. fans. And I'm glad you I'm glad you like Welcome to Machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was incredible. We've said in the past that there's there's only a couple like Pink Floyd covers that we truly like. I thought that Run Like Hell by Kitty was was a great one. The uh there's like one by uh Foo Fighters that they did with Brian May that was also really great. Uh but yeah, I would put I put your guys' cover up there right along with those other covers. It was it was incredible. Um, and awesome. it's very hard to say that about Pink Floyd covers because, like Casey said, it's either they're, they're love or hate. Like you either love them or you just hate them because it's not Pink Floyd or it doesn't do justice to the song. Right. Do you guys anticipate more cover songs or like do you have any like songs that you're holding over from your from your cover band days that you're just sitting on? Um, you know, yeah, we're we're talking about it. We're definitely going to put another one on the next record. As far as what we're going to do, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I really like the idea of, the, of Bob Dylan's Times Are Changing. The lyrics are are perfect for the time, I feel. Yeah. It really just carried through, you know, the years. Yeah. Yeah, because when Will, when Will and I were just kind of jamming around on that, him on the piano and me on the vocals and the bass, and it almost took on this, like, uh, like imagine yeah. that, that yeah. A Perfect Circle did. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it had this really cool vibe to it, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We were talking about maybe doing a Prince song because he's from four hours north of us. You know, he's uh, yeah. A- I mean, he's a legend. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what might happen? Shit, might be a Temptation song. Might be a freaking. <laughs> you know, who knows? That's awesome. We look forward to that. And I appreciate that you guys are are bold about it. You know, after a while, you could just put out a cover album. You're right. Right. After after so many albums, I think you earned that right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. We were talking about. We actually had a whole episode. We did. Um that well the whole episode wasn't about it but the conversation came up for a while about how covers can make or break a band in terms of if you destroy a track by a legendary artist <laughs> like as as far as we're concerned it's hard to recover from that right whereas on the flip side if you do justice to somebody especially an artist like a pink floyd it was like borderline untouchable um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, for one, it's just brave to attempt that because many have tried and failed. Uh, (laughs) And then for two, if you pull that off, that just goes such a long way, I feel like, for for an artist. Yeah, it's a scary thing. I mean, we were really afraid about, you know, the Pink Floyd and we didn't even know if we were going to put it on the record. But we actually got the approval from Roger Waters himself. So, I mean, I felt really good about it that he gave it the thumbs up. So I was like, (laughs) must have done it right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that blessing is, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, you're a huge fan of, of Pink Floyd, and they seem to be a big influence on you guys. And I've also heard that you're influenced or a big fan by a band called Nothing More, which is actually one of our favorite oh, yeah. bands as well. And you can tell that you guys put a lot of thought behind each and one of your songs, not only musically and lyrically, but also emotionally as well. And I know you said in the past that, you know, if asked, you'll tell people what the meaning is behind a song but you're good with people having their different interpretations to fit their own use. So we just want to ask you specifically about the meaning behind rises equals and how that factors as being the title track of the album. For everybody listening. And if you don't know, um, if you don't follow us online or, or, or any social medias, um, we call our fans our equals. Yeah. It's one thing, you know, we, we see all these bands coming out and they're like uh, the so-and-so nation, the army, the family, you know, you know, that's all cool. And we, we appreciate that. And I'm part of the seven dust family. I'm, I follow them. I'm good friends and love the band, but I'm like, I, I want something else, you know? And 
on the track, the touching of parallels on, on an EP Zach and I released, the opening line is rising as equals. And so Zach's like, whoa, dude, I, I really like that line. And he came up with the idea of what if we call our fans our equals? And then so our slogan became rise as equals. You know, so the title track is really trying to show the importance that the fans play. The, the role they play in bands is huge, you know, and we didn't want to take that for granted. So we wanted to write an anthem specifically for our fans and, you know, showing that we are brothers and sisters. We're family and, you know, and we need you guys. So um, that's really what that that track came came about to be. So, yeah, I think it came out very well. We did it with Zach Malloy and Blair Daly down in Nashville. And I just came down with an idea of, you know, all I had was the chorus and we just started going through and writing lyrics and, and jamming the song. And Zach and I sat in the hotel room the next, you know, the next day and just came up with the main riff and, you know, then flew home and recorded it with Chris. And it, it was great. It just came down very naturally and just there was really no struggle into writing the song. We knew what we wanted to say and they just brought it out in us a little bit better than what we may have done. So it, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's great. Anything's better than calling your fans maggots. Um, so <laughs> we appreciate yeah, We're still yeah. not sure about that one. Still not yeah. sure about Slipknot for that. But, but, <laughs> but no, actually, it's funny you mentioned, I, I had to laugh when you said that you were mentioned part of uh, Seven, you were part of Seven Dust's army because I'm actually part of Nothing More's army, The Few, which I just I thought that was hilarious yeah. when you said that. Yeah, me too, actually. I love Nothing More, dude. <laughs> yeah. They're fantastic. So I think all we have now is just a set of rapid fire questions that our my buddy Aaron here will be asking, <laughs> if you don't mind. Yeah, I got I got one more playing off of that last thing because I was curious. Oh, my about apologies. It. Sorry, no, I, sorry. it came to me as you were talking. <laughs> it was that was a good question. So we didn't discover the band Saul until the pandemic had already hit. The album was was coming out, so we haven't had a chance to see you guys perform live yet. But you you when you're talking about the song Rises Equals, I'm curious. Is that you know as sort of the the anthem of the connection between you guys and, and your fans and listeners, is that your set list closer or does that have a special place like in your, in your live show or at least in your tentative live show going forward now that the album's out? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, we actually throw that right in the middle of the set um, okay. because we extend out the entire middle section. The sign language for equals is holding your hands parallel. You know, we, we kind of hmm. do that thing. So, you know, we extend out that whole middle section and we turn on the brides and the blinders and have the whole, <clears throat> the whole crowd, you know, put up the equal sign and we take pictures and, and videos quick of it. And it, it's a cool time, That's you cool. know, and then coming out of a song like that, right into a song like Inside off the record that we did with Morgan and just, you know, just hitting it. But we always we always close with brother. You know, that's just that's our closer. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool, though. I'm I'm always intrigued by set lists and like the orchestration, how a band you know, sets up the track listing for an album and all that, that kind of thing. Yep. It's hard, man. It's hard to think about it. You don't want to mess it up. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And I'm sure as you guys go forward, is, is this being your proper debut with more and more albums coming out, it'll get more complicated to sort of yeah. figure out how you want to arrange those things. And that's why we had Will, our bass player, do the, the track listing for the album, because we said, if people don't like it, you're fired. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. They just better like it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> that actually, you know what? I've got I've got these these kind of rapid fire things in an order already, but I'm going to skip to the middle of one because that yeah. makes me intrigued by something. We've heard you talk about something before that is the, kind of a belief that we've always shared, hence why we do a top 20 albums of the year at the end of every year is the idea of a record being all killer and no filler. Yes. So, so one question I want to ask you is um, can you give me an album that you think achieves that perfectly? 
13th Step by a Perfect Circle. There you go. Oh, okay. one of my favorites. That tra- that album, I can start it, jam the entire thing all the way through, and then I just go, all right, I'm going yeah. to start it over and listen <laughs> yes. again. Yep. Yep. I think we would all agree with that, and I really appreciate how quickly that came <laughs> yeah. to mind. Like, no no hesitation. That's, that's Oh, yeah. That, right seriously, that, that is one of my top five albums of all time, I, I, I got to say. It's so good. I have to agree with that. On, on that listing, do you can you can you name any of the other top five like off the top of your head, or is, or is it a kind of a fluctuating <laughs> list? A little, you know, it always fluctuates, but there's a couple that will never leave. Like Division Bell is always right up there. Thirteenth Step is always right up there. I don't know if I'm going to get flack for this, but I love the Black Album by Metallica. I think it's an amazing album. Okay, it's always right up there. Um, oh, we love good. that too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. There's there's a bunch. LD Fifty is <laughs> always up in the tops. You know, it's good one. Oh. I was I was a big Mudbane fan. Is uh that that brings me to another question on here. Uh, <laughs> one of one of the next questions I was going to ask was about your dream collaboration, and I don't know if dream is the right word or not. But um, is there have you had any conversations? You know, you were going to tour with with Hell Yeah. Has there been any conversations about Chad Gray and maybe a some type of collaboration in the future? You know, we haven't really brought it up, but it's, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm <laughs> I wouldn't turn that down at all, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chad's, Chad's a beast. Um, you know, I was just really looking for the opportunity to meet him, really. So, I mean, mm. if something like that ever played out, I'd be way down for it. Um, that'd be super cool. Super, super cool. I feel like he would blend in really well with, with your sound as, as well. Like, yes, yeah. there seems like there's a natural a natural meshing there. But uh, Cool. That would be cool. Anyway, I'll, I'll get back into the, the questions proper here. So I'm curious about um, a song or an album that changed your life. You already mentioned division bell a couple times and in, in perfect circle. So I might've already spoiled it, but um, you know, I got to say, okay. So I'm also a huge tool fan. Um, mm. I'm pretty much a fan of anything Maynard does. I think he's yeah. a genius when it, when he's behind the mic, literally, I, I mean, I was a little late to the game, but um, when lateralis came out, blew my freaking mind i was a big fan of like anima but i really think they found themselves with lateralis so parable uh, parabola i mean the, the whole i mean lateralis the song itself the way they they finished that thing with just a straightforward backbeat down 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 i mean it's huge you know that song <laughs> and that whole album the grudge i mean come on man every freaking <laughs> song on that album is just yeah. amazing you know and that's when we looked into it and zach were, zach and i were before we got signed, we were looking actually into uh, producers and we actually hit up David Petrill, the guy that produced the record. And, you know, I mean, he was definitely out of our budget at the time, but uh, <laughs> I definitely would have loved to work with him. You got to take a shot. Yeah. 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 And it's just cool to talk with them. And he actually just sat down and chatted us with us about the record and everything. So it was very cool. Very cool. That's cool. Maybe that opens up a door for the future. That'd be, you know, another. Oh, yeah. Another nice. Uh, speaking of dream collaborations. There you go. So. Yep. <laughs> How about um, a song you wish you had written? Ballast, bastards. I wish that was my song. <laughs> By nothing, nothing more. By nothing um, more. Yep. It's such a good song, man. It's such a good song. I mean, but yes, seriously, I mean, anything by Nothing More is so good. They're one of the bands where I just hope they write it out. You know, like the Stones. Yeah. Just stick around forever, man, because you write good tunes and yeah. you're awesome dudes. You know, so yeah, for sure. Amazing singer. Oh yeah, yeah. How about a song you're particularly proud that you did write? Um, gosh, I mean, I'm super proud of the whole record, honestly. It's a good thing. That's certainly a good thing. Yeah. I, I find that a lot of times people have at least a couple that are like sentimental favorites or, or particular like. Right. I mean, I, I feel I feel 
you know, a definite connection with brother. And, you know, and when Zach and I were writing that song, we didn't really know how it was going to interact. And, you know, we met up with Chris, our manager, and he's like, I'm thinking I'm going to push this and take it to radio. And he wanted to push the song, The Toll. And Hmm. uh, we're like, you know, it's definitely got a little bit more radio vibe, but Zach put his foot down. He's like, no, if we're going to push anything, it's going to be brother. And to write a song that's, you know, deep like that. And then a little, not radio norm, you know, I mean, it is, but it isn't, you know what I mean? And uh, to see it react like that, that that's something I'm super proud of. You know what I mean? That, that it really came together. And then it was the song that took us to the next level, like you said earlier. And yeah, on, on a song like that, it was really great to see, you know, we didn't have to do talk about strippers or drugs or anything, you know, we talk about, you know, real life stuff. So I just think that's such a, a beautiful part of you guys. story as a band is that that was the song that, that did that. And so, right. Right. All right. Let's just got a couple more minutes, couple more questions. Best live band you've ever seen. Sticks. Nice. Oh, okay. Nice. Amazing. They were so freaking good. Yeah. Is that with, with the keyboardist or without? It was with, yep. Okay. Oh God. What, how many, it was a few years ago. It was actually the first concert I ever took my daughter to. I, uh, it was Tesla sticks and Def Leppard. And we saw that tour. Yeah. Yep. Did you? I, it was freaking amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I, and I never saw Def Leppard before. I I mean, I like him. My wife's a bigger fan. I was blown away. I actually became a fan of Def Leppard after seeing him that night. I'm like, okay, I get it. This is cool. <laughs> awesome. They were really good. All right. I got a couple more here. Is there an artist out there that you wish more people knew about? Your chance to kind of promote somebody else yourself. Hmm. Let me think. Maybe another, maybe another Iowa band that hasn't, you know, had their chance to break out yet. I don't know. Right, right. There's a band out of Omaha that's super, pretty freaking sick. Um, Devil in the Details. Oh, there's a band out of Minneapolis too. Um, holy shoot. Why is it? Um, <laughs> by the thousands. They're freaking sick as hell, man. They, they are on like this Meshuggah, like, um, monuments tesseract sort of vibe okay excellent excellent band though yeah there's some there's definitely some bands around that are really really good and it's always nice to play with them because when we book shows they're the first ones to call kingdom cold kingdom out of minneapolis is really freaking good hmm. um the, the chick singer she's got some pipes on her so yeah there's a there's a lot of bands that are really good around and it sucks to say but sometimes they might not even just get discovered you know on, on the level where you're right. hoping for you know Talent and exposure aren't aren't always equal. But yeah. No, right. nope, yeah. it's not. Yeah. Okay, I got, um, what would you be doing if you weren't a musician? A.K.A. what day jobs did you or are you hoping to quit for Saul? <laughs> okay. Um, luckily, I haven't had a day job in a couple of years. Um, All right. Good, good. But uh, last job I was doing, and I get made fun of for this, but you got to understand, I mean, we're, we're you're from St. Louis. We're in the Midwest, right? right. I'm in Northwest Iowa. My favorite day job I ever had was pumping cattle manure and people <laughs> feed me okay. crap about it. But we had two busy times of the year where we work hundred hour plus weeks and we would just bust, but just trying to get everything done. And it was great. You, I'd be on a side by side or a four wheeler out in the middle of nowhere, you know, <laughs> you know, just by myself following a big hose that was pumping shit. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it was a great job. It was a great job, you know, and, uh, yeah, free health care. They took care of us. They fed us every day and night, and it was awesome. I loved it. That's great. That, great. You know, if, if music ever failed and I had to go back to work in 9 to 5, that's what I would do. Awesome. Nice. That's that's such a unique, unexpected answer to that question. Right? <laughs> right. I love I it. Yeah. I know. 
All right. One final one. So for, for us, we kind of said before the, our itch is, is that we want to discover and share new music and, and almost certainly for you, the itch is to get out there and finally share the album with the world live. Yeah. So a, a little further self-promotion opportunity. Do you guys have any shows officially booked for this year yet? You know, we only officially have a couple books so far. Uh, right now, all we have is Incarceration over in, uh, what is it, Man- Mansfield, Ohio? Columbus, Ohio. Okay. The Incarceration to, or, uh, Festival and then um, Rebel Rock down in Orlando. And as far as everything is right now, that is the only two things we have booked. Um, Sturgis okay. will come in. We will guaranteed be doing Sturgis again, but nothing locked in yet. That's good. But other than that, I mean, I wish I could say, I, I, I trust me, I'd spill the beans right now and say we had something booked in two months. <laughs> I want to say it, but uh, yeah, we, nothing re- yet. I mean, as concert, you know, concert goers and lovers ourselves, like I'm, I'm at, as soon as I can, I'm pretty well willing to travel somewhere to see some stuff at this point because right. it's just, you know, been so long. And, and even now, like you said, there's still few and far between opportunities, even as we ease back into all of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And nothing even kicks off for us until July. So, I mean, we're still yeah. just sitting around, you know. Right. Yeah. It's more time to work on more tracks, you know. You have a second right. album come out before this is all said and done. Right. Uh, well, I mean, be ready for the next, you know, have all the songs written. So we we're just ready to track and go. Yeah. There that's you go. what we're doing right now. Awesome. awesome. Very productive time in the pandemic. Good job. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Blake, for your time. We, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Very, uh, very enjoyable conversation here. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I do appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much. That was our conversation with Blake Bedsaw. Hope you enjoyed that as much as we did interviewing him. Yeah, another thank you to Blake for speaking with us. Yeah, we appreciate that. And we have another interview on the horizon. So if you liked that, please continue to listen to our podcast. We will continue to try to deliver great interviews such as this past one. Two hints. Um, We're going back to drummers next time. (laughs) and it's another band that made last year's top 20 list so we're very excited and that one will be coming out very soon we will not keep you waiting long so thank you very much for listening and you know you're the key to getting more interviews the more listens the more people that we get the more uh that people get to hear about the itch and the great things that we want to accomplish uh you're the key so we appreciate everything you guys do for us appreciate you spreading the word of the show and sharing us and, and every, all the social media posts. We really do appreciate all, all of the support we get. So thank you very much for listening. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And you've been listening to the itch podcast. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episodes playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Radio voice, yeah. That's yeah. right. You, yeah. I think you have a better good. radio voice than I do, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's well, why I've been, a, you know. I got a face for radio, you know. There so. We, so do we. So do we. So do we. That's always our joke, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we don't use the video. We're like, I don't know if anybody wants to see us or not. We have to get a little crazy.
it, it ruins your career. I mean, that's one thing. Uh, that's how video killed the radio star, right? Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> Especially when it became high definition. You know, yeah, yeah. nobody needed to see all those faces in, up close. <laughs> no.